Hi, this is William, and you are listening to Al's Senior Moments, a podcast focusing on senior adult and retirement age issues. And today, I'm very happy to have a special guest, who is my lovely wife, Shannon. And Shannon is a neurology nurse practitioner in the Huntsville area. And today's topic, we're going to be talking about strokes and stroke symptoms. And uh, I didn't, couldn't think of a better guest than to have Shannon on, who deals with that on a regular basis with patients she sees. And so, Shannon, thank you for being here. Sure, I'm uh, glad to be here. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to, to help me with this. Absolutely. Um, so you ha- tell us about your background. You are a nurse practitioner, but mm-hmm. tell us about your educational background. Sure. Um, I got my bachelor's degree in nursing at Belmont in Nashville, Tennessee, and then practiced for about 15 years in nursing before I went back and got my master's at UAH in acute care nurse practitioner, and um, have been practicing for about 15 years as a, as a nurse practitioner, and about 13 of those years I've been in neurology with that focus. I did, as an RN, work in neurotrauma um, for about three years as an RN, and really found myself drawn to neurology and the prevalence of neurologic um, disease, um, both acute and chronic. And so um, I have found myself continuing to love being in neurology all these years. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about, let's kind of get started on the topic of strokes. Mm -hmm. Give us a kind of layperson's definition of a stroke or explain that to us in layperson terms, if you would. So there are two types of strokes. One is called an ischemic stroke or a non-bleeding form of stroke, and the other is a hemorrhagic stroke, which is a bleeding form of stroke. The most common stroke is the ischemic stroke, where there's no bleeding involved. In fact, it's either thrombotic, which means that there's a clot in a vessel that builds to the point where it closes off the blood flow to a part of the brain, or an embolic stroke, which is where a blood clot travels from somewhere else in the body up into the brain and lodges in the blood flow pattern of, of the brain and causes an, a non-bleeding form of stroke. Yeah. So essentially it's where there is either some type of a blockage that causes a, a kind of stops airway or blood flow to the brain. Blood flow and oxygenation. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And yep. that, so essentially that's the nuts and bolts of what a stroke is that blockage of blood flow or oxygen to a part of the brain. Yes. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So what, let's talk about the different symptoms that people have. Because, you know, we all wake up with a numb finger or something that hurts or something like that. What symptoms should people be looking for that they may not think about as a stroke or you know, but could really be an issue that is that something is happening. Absolutely. You know, I think that's, you know, one of those things that is the most concerning when a patient comes to the hospital. You know, the symptoms oftentimes are not abrupt and onset. The symptoms, we do wake up with symptoms of a numb arm or a weak hand. And when those symptoms do not improve, with after a brief period of time after you wake up, oftentimes it will be the symptoms can be fairly profound and will be beyond what you'd experienced before. But um, you know, a lot of people experience 
um, abrupt symptom onset, we use this acronym called BFAST. B as in boy, E as in elephant, F-A-S-T. So BFAST, essentially, you go through this um, balance, if for, is for B, where you look for a, a significant change in your balance, both in your balance when you walk and as in coordination of your limbs, your arms or legs. You can't reach for your cup of coffee. You can't exact your movements. E, um, really being uh, more vision, thinking eyes, B-E, eyes. Um, and that's blurred vision, loss of vision in a quadrant. Something changes abruptly with your vision, double vision. Um, and sometimes it'll be somebody will notice that one of your eyes is not quite lined up or, you know, so a, an abrupt change in your vision. F, um, face, facial asymmetry, where you have weakness or numbness or tingling on one side of the face. Um, a talks about arms, limbs, um, weakness that you notice in, in your arms or legs. And that can be in your grip strength, that can be um, just either in your arms or legs. Um, S, um, speech. You know, are you slurring your words? Are you being able to find what you want to say? Do you understand what people say? And then T, time. T, T is really important to talk about because I have a lot of patients that say, you know, I got up out of bed and I was weak on the right side and I fell, but I just went back to bed because I thought it would get better. You know, when we sit back and try to wish away that we're having symptoms, all it does is take away from the time that you could get to the ER, get to a, a regional stroke center and get help. Time is of essence. Think of time being brain. The longer you sit with a stroke symptom, those brain cells are holding their breaths. They cannot survive without oxygen. And if you get to an emergency department where they can give you IV fluids, they can give you a TPA, which is a medicine that will, will is it's called a clot buster, or potentially even go in there and retrieve a clot that's, that's closing off a vessel and open the circulation up to that part of the brain that's suffering, this is time. The longer you wait, the higher likelihood there is to have irreversible permanent damage to the brain and irreversible disability. And that's the concern with stroke. It is a one of the highest disabling forms uh, in conditions, neurologic conditions that there are that people live with. Mm-hmm. So Ty, we want to act fast. So act when you, fast. When you get up in the morning and you can't seem to move your leg or your arm won't move, you need to take action immediately. And the primary response would be to probably call 911 or get someone to get you to the hospital. Absolutely. I would even go so far as to say <clears throat> call 911 because even the responders, they can contact a local emergency department. They can start IV fluids. They can, they can eliminate some other possible reversible causes of your symptoms. And so your best bet is to call 911. Now, uh, Huntsville Hospital is a regional stroke center, um, and they um, are working with um, some of the other hospitals in this region to, you know, orchestrate 
urgent care in emergent services for stroke patients that present with stroke symptoms. So, you know, it's a matter of just getting to the hospital. Don't minimize your symptoms. Act on them. Yeah. So a regional stroke center, they're going to be specifically trained. Their staff that brings you into the hospital are going to be trained to identify symptoms of stroke and to treat you the most effectively way possible. Absolutely. Yeah. There, I think there's a reality, too, that a regional stroke center, you've got uh, a stroke team. You, you know, people worry about sitting in the emergency department for a long period of time. That will not happen at, at a regional stroke center. They're there to immediately evaluate you, and, and they have staff 24 hours, seven days a week that will um, be able to, to evaluate you at that yeah. time. So they know what to look for when someone comes Absolutely. in. Absolutely. Now, let's look. What about other health conditions or risk factors that, you know, are more prevalent in people that have strokes? Sure. Or, um, <clears throat> so we talk about, with stroke risk, modifiable and non-modifiable risk factors. So clearly things that mo- are not modifiable, things that you can't do anything about, are stroke is a family history of stroke. If your parents have had a stroke, if you've had a sibling that's had a stroke, and um, that should put you on alert for what your genetic predisposition and your risks are. Age, if you're blessed to get old enough, you know, that is one of those things that, that your stroke risk increases as you get older. Um, but when we look at modifiable risk, high blood pressure, high cholesterol and diabetes, as well as certain heart arrhythmias like atrial fibrillation, all create risk factors that are something that you can focus and be vigilant on making sure that they're under control to reduce your stroke risk. Mm-hmm. And so if you have these type of illnesses, you have diabetes or high blood pressure, you need to be aware of stroke symptoms and probably it might be good to have a plan in place in case something does happen. Whether, yeah, absolutely. Whether you, know, you, you know, are able to contact 911 or... Or just be aware of what the symptoms could be. Absolutely. That acronym is that be fast. Educate yourself on that because if you're panicked, your spouse or yourself has an abrupt onset symptom or you wake with symptoms that you've practiced that going through. Um, I've always been so proud of family that come in and say, you know, I had them smile to see if they had a facial droop. I had them speak a sentence like the president is in the White House, you know, to see if they had a slurring speech. And where they do a brief evaluation when they have a symptom to see if they have any of those. And that's helpful for when you call 911 to be able to describe symptoms. And you had mentioned that Huntsville Hospital is a regional stroke center. I mean, uh, for me, if I'm living in a certain city, I want to know where I would go for if there were a potential stroke or a heart attack or whatever Mm -hmm. it may be. And, you know, when we have that type of facility locally, that's where I would be wanting to direct an ambulance or somewhere to to bring them to the regional stroke center in this area. Sure. Now... Obviously, when someone has a stroke, I mean, there are different levels of, I guess, disability that can come along with that. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people, a lot of other doctors and care providers come into play when someone has a stroke. You've got physical therapists, maybe cardiologists. It really becomes a multidisciplinary care team. Share a little bit about that. Sure. 
after you are identified as having had a stroke, you go through a very intense time of evaluation, initially as an inpatient in the hospital. um, And oftentimes people will be diagnosed with conditions they had no idea they had, such as diabetes or high blood pressure, high cholesterol. And so there's approximately the first three months or so after a stroke, when you're discharged, oftentimes, you'll, it, depending on your level of disability, you may be discharged initially into an inpatient rehabilitation or maybe discharged home to, to do therapy at home or go outpatient therapy. Um, but oftentimes, you will be touching base not only with your primary care provider, but a cardiologist and a neurologist and various other disciplines. Um, after that initial three months, you know, usually what we find is that patients have gotten relatively um, settled in the medications that they need to be on. They've completed therapy, at least the initial component of therapy, and are then at home figuring out, you know, what do I do now? And Um, It's very important, first of all, to stay in close contact with your primary care provider because those conditions, as we discussed, the high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and diabetes, um, those conditions that have been identified in you need to continue to be worked under a a modifying um, medication regimen and monitoring and that, that has to occur over time. That cannot necessarily be an abrupt change. Um, and so your primary care provider is somebody to entrust and kind of they are the quarterback in your health care. Um, but oftentimes it's important after a stroke to follow up with your neurologist quarterly, every three to four months, because you'll continue to have some changes, you know, not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, you know, even sexually that, you know, is these are conversations that need to be had and continued different forms of therapy and medication adjustments and support um, need to be provided. There are actually local support groups for families and patients that have undergone a stroke, survived a stroke, and are living with a stroke. We forget that, you know, you continue to live on with these, with some of these deficits and some of these concerns, and it's a new way of having to go forward. So you need support, and neurology needs to be an integral part of that, not just in the intensive phase of having had a stroke, but also as you continue to recover and as you continue to um, go about your own life and try to reintegrate into some, some, you know, of your, your previous habits, going back to work and things like that. Right. And so, I mean, it is important, especially if, you know, your life may change Absolutely. dramatically, you know, once someone has a stroke, whether it's a mobility or, you know, somebody, you might not be able to drive. So, mm-hmm. um, and cognitively, you know, things, you know, can change dramatically after one stroke. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our conversation earlier that that first year, is, there is a, if there's going to be a stroke, there's a higher likelihood of that in the first year. So mm-hmm. uh, you were saying that individuals need to really pay attention to their changes in their, you know, their body or, you know, just little changes that they notice. You know, pay close attention to that. Um, especially that first year, and make sure you tell your doctors anything that seems different. 
um, because it could be an indicator of another stroke or the potential for another stroke. Mm -hmm. So make sure that you communicate well with your doctors about that. Absolutely. Um, and certainly, you know, there are going to be emotional issues that involve, you know, whether it's depression or, you know, things like that when you have a major illness. So the, there are, as Shannon mentioned, there are support groups in this area um, that you can reach out to. And if you would be glad to help, I'd be glad to help, you know, give you contact information about that. But um, there are support groups and I encourage you to to get have a build yourself a support team when something like that happens because you know if there's a time we need other people it may be after having a stroke or mm -hmm. significant health event like that absolutely well shannon is there anything else you want to uh, like to share with us or you think that's important about uh, this I, topic sure i think just um you know, just never underestimate what your symptoms may be. And, you know, time is really important. Getting, getting help, emergent care um, in, the, in the acute phase, but also emphasizing the, the chronic aspect of stroke, that this is a life-changing event and that, you know, there's a lot of support that you'll need, not just within your family, but within the community that is there. Um, that you, you know, you're going to need to continue to be um, in a supportive community as you continue, as you move on with life, and you mm -hmm. will. Yeah. Well, Shannon, thank you for being with us. Um, it's always great to see you. <laughs> I get to see you every day, so I'm thankful nice. for that. Um, but you have been listening to Al's Senior Moments, where we talk about important topics to senior adults and retirement age issues. And the show is sponsored by Medicare Strategies. When you need local, personal Medicare expertise, uh, I encourage you to call us at Medicare Strategies. Our number is 256-425-8614. Thank you for listening, and have a great day.